Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Back out to smart, fakes the pass all the time, three, bang! It's William Street. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast, our first fan therapy session of the season, where we ask what, how, and why the shit are the Celtics this bad? Ben Vallis here. I hope you are coping with this Celtics calamity as if the state of the world wasn't bad enough. Joining us for what is always a pro bono session, Jackson, aka Rickman Lives. Jackson, welcome, sir. Namaste. All of that. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I can't believe this is the first fan therapy session of the of the year. I thought we did one off the bulls. Maybe that was just maybe I just waiting meditative slack, and crying in the in the corner for four hours. That was my therapy. But yeah, alright, considering. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Likewise, long overdue. And of course, not immune from the bad vibes in his beautiful isolated island country, our New Zealand correspondent Joe, aka No Scrodes McFly. Joe, how you doing? Mate, I'm doing alright. I'm doing alright. I'm just um just you know, I'm I'm thinking it's probably worth Probably worth a, just a general life update from the boys. How was Christmas? What's yep. the go with this Omicron? You know, um, how bad is it? Is you know anyone who's got it and what what's it been like for them? Sounds like we're all going to get it eventually. So we've uh, only just been just waiting it. Today. I've been avoiding it like the plague. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I don't know anyone who's got it, but um, Newcastle was like the epicenter of it for um, for for a little while. It was like a huge spreading event in a place that's called the Argyle. It used to be called Fanny's by the locals when I was going to it. It was called <laughs> Fanny's. Um, but yeah, all that aside, no, very good Christmas. Still on holidays, chilling, new Christmas presents to play with. This like Oculus set that I can use to pretend the Celtics don't exist. It's fantastic. <laughs> you can watch like cause sometimes the NBA broadcast games in VR, so you could watch like almost literally firsthand the Celtics shit the bed, and then yeah, give us would, the the real the true update after that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I'll experience it next time for more pain, more realistic pain. <laughs> firsthand pain. Yeah, Joe, uh, I uh, have avoided Omicron thus far. I just got my uh, booster the other day. Um, and just waiting. Uh, it feels like it's... I'm sure, Jackson, you feel the same. Omicron is just, like, closing in on us. Mm. And I feel like any moment now, I'm going to step out of the house and, and pick it up. And hopefully, my 18-month-old daughter, who can't be vaccinated, is fine with that. That's probably the biggest stressor in my life. Um, but Christmas was good, you know. Uh, lots of ham, lots of booze. Got a few Celtics t-shirts and hoodies and stuff like that, so... Not that I'm wearing them around you know, with pride at this wear. point in time. <laughs> uh, what about you, yeah, Joe? So, How's Christmas life in New well, Zealand? Well, no, I was actually just gonna just 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 a little 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 bit of colour. So um, Ben disclosed to me off the air that he and this is probably making me sound very naive, but that he felt a bit sick and he got his own self testing a self testing kit for for the Rona, and I just assumed it'd be one of those rapid antigen spit jobs, but no. Ben actually had to apply himself, putting the old up stick the up the nose. Mm-hmm. Sorry, up the nose. Is, yeah. <laughs> up the, up the anyway, up so the my nose. question to you, Ben. It's not that kind of crazy. Ben, my question to you is, would you rather reapply that PCR test, knowing that you're going to test negative, or watch the Celtics <laughs> play the Suns? <laughs> 
I would I would rather eat my dog's shit than watch the Celtics right now. I am <laughs> so I mean that's why we're doing a fan therapy session. Uh it's bad. Um do you either of you guys disagree? You, you haven't met my dog, but I'm sure you can assume that the the fecal matter is uh not appetizing. Well, where are you guys at with that? Well, You're that's, that's that's fine dog's name is Sean dog cuisine. Sean maybe pure white and have no smell at all. <laughs> so <laughs> might be all right. <laughs> yeah, look, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Um, look, before we get into the real cathartic therapeutic stuff, there was a game today, the latest in a sequence of disappointing outtakes. The Celtics lose to the Clippers. 91 to 82. I was only able to watch the, I guess, maybe 25% of this game, and that's been the case for every game since my daughter's daycare shut down on the 17th of December. But don't worry, Jackson and Joe have seen it all, maybe combined between the two of them, uh, and are here to provide their PhD-level analysis. Jackson, we'll start with you. What happened in this one? Why another loss to another COVID-slash-injury-decimated team? Hmm. Um, I did watch the whole thing. Um I didn't notice it being as as miserable as an experience until probably the last two or three minutes. Um, I feel the most disheartening thing about the whole experience, though, is that you watch the first quarter, the second quarter, the third quarter, and you think to yourself, none of this matters. What is going to matter is when we are in the final 12 minutes and the, the mental fragility of this team is just going to either show itself or they're going to... Do something about it and get over and get over it. So you could almost feel that the um, the crowd. I think Scal even said something about it that the crowd seems to just kind of just be on edge, just waiting for the fourth quarter to come around. And that was the experience that I had the whole time. So it wasn't that pleasant um, as far as like the the minutia of the game is concerned. I thought we looked great to start with when we had Horford and Brown on the floor, take them off and put other guys on there, and Clippers go on a run and we look like shit. And this just seemed to go and back and forth throughout the game, and then it came to the fourth quarter and. And then you started to realize how historically bad we were leaning in terms of our three-point shooting. So, yeah, just like all the other games that have been the last like month or season, it seems, it, was, uh, it wasn't great. It was not great. What do you reckon, Joe? Well, I just saw a funny reaction. I, I was sort of in the middle of the um, – they, they, when I tuned in, they were down 55-45, and they sort of made a 12-2 run, I think. Um and at that time, I was sort of like, ah, I'm actually kind of enjoying watching this this game. But I was kind of in that mode where you're like, the reason why you're enjoying it is because you're actually starting to let go of the rope of expectation, <laughs> you know? And that's why you're enjoying it. it, it it's, it's, it's always a function of reality versus expectations, right? How much you're enjoying it. And, um, and yeah, maybe that's the, that's, that's revealing, right? Um, when you're watching it and you're like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, um, oh, well, just another loss, really, eh? Yeah, not it's great. getting to that point. Not great relative to preseason expectations. Mm. Yeah, and that's the problem relative to preseason expectations. And I think a lot of people, definitely myself included, can't quite let go of the promise of, you know, Yudoka, he's of the the Popovich coaching tree, as they call it. Uh, you know, he's going to get these guys into line. He's got tenure with them via USA Basketball. Tatum's bulked up. You know, we, we know all the, you know, all the lines um, heading into the season, and yet almost none of it has has come into play. Um, I don't know, have you guys got anything else on the, on the Clippers game? I won't blame you if you don't before we move on to the, yeah. the therapy session. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if a few more threes just went down, then it would have been a completely different game. And it like it was, I don't think statistical, percentage-wise speaking, it was as bad as the Washington game, the double overtime loss, I think, from earlier this season where we were two for 26, mm-hmm. but four for 42 or 43 or whatever whatever miserable statistic it ended up being. You know, a couple of those go in and, and you know, you're golden or you're at least like in, you're in a competitive game or you're I mean, it's competitive the whole way. But I mean, I don't want to overreact to this game like in a vacuum because, you know, it was a very winnable game and we bricked a lot of wide open shots. But you think about all the other times you've seen this happen this season and, and you go beyond that and you realize that there's probably a deeper issue here. So don't want to overreact to the game in itself. But, you know, it's it would be delusional not to, you know, just attribute this to the 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 massive embarrassing and deflating losses that we've sat through this season they're all kind of one and the same ultimately yeah 
Yeah, I mean, all losses count as losses, right? Um, I guess, like, there was a lineup that I really liked watching. Um, like, there was a, it was a, I think it was, it was a Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Richardson, Jalen, and, and Pritchard lineup. I enjoyed watching them, but um, once again, like, we thought we were, like, <laughs> we just got, kind of a little bit rolled by a Clippers team whose best player was Marcus Morris, you know, who we basically, you know, think about where he was on our roster. He was our seventh man, you know? He was our seventh man not that long ago, and that's kind of where we're at. And um, it's just a bit of an indictment of – it's a bit of an indictment of our talent level, man. That's what it is. Is that what it is, though? Like, because if you listed – the players. They were playing hard, man. Mm. They were playing hard. But they yeah, were. that's that's what I mean. Like they were playing hard. Like talent wise, if you you know in a vacuum had to list the most talented players on the court today, like you'd probably put Jalen Brown up the top there, and then you'd probably have Al Horford quite close as well. Rob Williams, even Josh Richardson. Like there's talent on the team, even with Tatum going, and particularly relative to that Clippers team. And, you know, the same can be said for that, that Wolves game. Like, so why? Like, why are we losing these games despite the fact that we have talented players out on the court? I don't, yeah. I don't I, understand. I, I, for me, and you can definitely tell me if I'm wrong, it's starting to become more and more clear that it, it's probably a doker. You know, I, I was, I've said on this, on this show many times that, you know, he's a rookie coach. We've got to give him time to, to figure it out. Well, we're halfway through a season now and doesn't appear to be making, you know, strides or improvements so far and it's got me thinking you know how fun that 2017 2018 playoffs run was and i'm thinking was that just all brad stevens you know was <laughs> did he make Jalen brown and jason tatum into like the, the the superstars we all thought they would be and now that he's gone is 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 are we seeing the reality of it now now obviously last season he was in charge and it started to go down go down the toilet at the beginnings of it was going down then but you know i'm i don't want to just make it a scapegoat you know it's the new head coach he's crap you know no, no one else is blameless here but I, it's looking more and more like it's he's a he's a big piece of this to be honest yeah so we're, we're brought into like the police department and into the the little dark room with the one-way glass they march out the lineup Yudoka's in the lineup I don't know if we're necessarily <laughs> pointing at him. Maybe he's got an alibi, but he's in the lineup. Joe, who else is in the lineup? The image that I had in my head is, as Jackson was saying, is I'm, I'm just finished um, season two of Succession. And, and it was sort of like, it's like the scene on the yacht where they're going around trying to say whose head should be <laughs> served up on the platter for the, shareholder, for the shareholders. <laughs> Well, then next season, we've got a lot to look forward to. No, no spoilers other than that. Um, uh, Joe, <laughs> Joe, I think Tatum, I think Tatum is Kendall, is Kendall maybe <laughs> like anointed, then not anointed, you know, um, Who's Logan? Does that make it Brad Stevens? Because you would definitely maybe, Danny Ainge otherwise, but <laughs> it seems like it has to be Brad Stevens, right? Yeah. Logan is a deceased Red Auerbach at this point. There's no one else yeah. that you could sort of attribute to that that role of, of power and, and con- continual winning. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, it's it's probably not going to make good radio to like workshop this live, but... Um, no, and I, yeah. I think Bill Simmons um, and the ringer have exhausted the, these analogies, but sorry, Joe, continue. <laughs> Ah, nah. Okay, who else is in the lineup? I, look, I think um, Shiv is Jalen Brown, to be honest. Plus, I'll say Jalen's. <laughs> it it's it's not so much. I just think you've got guys that are in roles that they just aren't ultimately suited to perform. Like Tatum's just. I actually got on a. Uh, Ethan Strauss has like this call-in thing, and he had Tom um, Haberstroh on mm-hmm. uh, as one of his guests. It was like talkback radio, so I was a bit buzzed. You know, I was like, oh. I'll just, I was actually out on the golf course, eat your heart out, North America. I was just out on the golf course listening away, and I thought I'll give him a buzz. And I said, I says to Tom, I says, Tom, I asked him the question I've asked you boys many times, what is Jason Tatum? And he said, look, he's at best, he tops out at like Paul George. And that's probably right. And that's like, we know that, we know from Paul George's career that Paul George is a very valuable player, but that's just not going to cut it. You know, it's not going to cut it as a number one dude. So, um, 
you know, and that has a flow and effect for decisions down the rest of the roster. I actually think Jalen is fine as a number two guy, like in that number two guy, um, but Shivers, man, like you see now, like he's a bad passer. Mm. He's a bad passer. Mm. He throws the ball all over the place, man. Um, you know, and as a result, he's always going to be overburdened as a number one guy. I like so much about Jalen's game. I really do. But, you know, you're seeing right now a little experiment which is like, how does the team look with Jalen in place of Tatum as only one guy? And even though I actually like Jalen's game better, and I think he's more suited to the role he would normally have, like Tatum's so much better as a player. <laughs> he really is. And and um, But Tatum's still not quite good enough. So what do you do? That actually segues really well into the first part of the therapy session, which we'll, we'll transition into now. So if you're not already, if you're listening at home, you know, or hopefully not in the gym. Hopefully, you're at least on public transport and you can lie back on some sort of couch or seat and kick your feet up. Joe, you've definitely had a one point here, so we'll start with you. The question is, what are your three most depressing aspects of the season so far or just generally about the current state of the Celtics? I feel like Tatum ceiling maybe being Paul George is a very depressing aspect, and so that, that might be one, but uh, what, are, what are two more that come to mind? Before the season started, like one of the reasons why I was advocating, like considering trading for, say, Ben Simmons, or even considering, like, I think I talked about, like, hey, do we think about trading Tatum for, um, for Kate Cunningham? Whatever. Um, it's because at that point, nobody's quite knew what Tatum was, where I feel like it's kind of crystallizing now. And that's really depressing for team building. Like, I feel like the, the opinion of, of Tatum and, and who he really is is starting to crystallize around the league. And once everybody knows, that restricts your options trade-wise. You know, like, you've got to know first, like, the Celtics front office had, like, they, whatever their internal expectation of Tatum was, right, he better be at that, you know. Um, do, do you know what I mean? It's like you don't have arbitrage opportunities anymore now on Tatum. Like, everyone kind of knows what it is. He's coming into his extension. Like, he's not, like, he's still going to have positive trade value, you know, um, if you wanted to rebuild. But there's no opportunity for, like, a real windfall game from him. Like, you couldn't. You couldn't trade Tatum for um, Evan Mobley, right? You couldn't do it. No, I don't think so. No. There's so- no way you could do it. So, whereas if you could rewind that clock back to before the draft, do you think you could do it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. almost totally certainly, good. like for the pick, uh, you know, if not for the player post-draft. Um, yeah. But I would also say that Evan Mobley has started his career with the almost exactly the same sheen that Tatum did. So, like, anything can happen in that sense. Um, but you're right as far as, the you know, the point you just made. So, those are two very depressing points, Joe. Have you got one more before we switch over to Jackson? I, I feel like you're leading with, like, the two most depressing uh-huh. <laughs> Things I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I'm really bummed that we're not seeing. Oh, look, Schroeder, I just don't like him. I just, I just want him gone. And I'm really bummed that Neesmith isn't playing. So there you go. So I probably soaked everything up. Come on, Jackson, out depressed. Oh, me. We, there's plenty oh, more, can, there's oh, plenty more to, depressing factors that we can get to. <laughs> um, in no particular order. Um, do you remember the summer league? Remember how we like didn't want to talk ourselves into like too much of an overreaction in the summer league, but then you had Peyton Pritchard, Romeo Langford, and Aaron Neesmith just like shooting what seemed like it was like ninety five percent from three, like all yeah, over the shop, the and it was three. just like this is the shooting that we needed. This is the shooting that we needed. It's not the shooting we needed. No, I mean it again. I will always caveat this with the young guys by saying they're still young. You know, still you know still room room to grow and improve, obviously. But you know, just. It, it, it's it's not looking good. So like all, all of a sudden the young guys, whatever assets that we thought we had, just like you know Joe mentioned with uh, Tatum's value, you know you feel like their value has just gone from you know what we thought and hoped it could be is now much lower than it is. The second one is, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to follow this, but I I think I think we we had a legitimate championship window there for a second, and now it's firmly firmly shut. <laughs> You know what I mean? Think about like the state of the East Conference, you know, when, when we were contending. You had you had LeBron James with a bunch of guys around him. Couldn't get past him. We then had uh, the, the Kyrie season, you know, the one we all know about. But then there was the bubble season, you know. 
when we were healthy, we looked like legitimately one of the best teams. Could have made the finals. Not saying we would have beaten the Lakers and Anthony Davis with Anthony Davis and, and LeBron, but that was probably our, our best chance. We had two really good chances to make the finals and probably win. Now, un- unless there is some like bolt from the blue improvement out of nowhere or there's some amazing trade that happens or 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 Kevin Durant is gone for like another two years again or whatever, yeah, I, I don't see it happening, you know, for for the foreseeable future. And to think that we were so close and now so far... Yeah, that that sucks. That 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 sucks a lot. Um, hugely depressing. Yeah, that is hugely depressing. Yeah, and, it's like, was it a mirage? Was was it real? Yeah, you know. And you think about that—the mindset that we had there is like we have all these assets, we have all these young guys, we had the the future is ours, and now it's just it's just gone. It's like it's like a metaphor for you know for, for life coming at you fast. You know, that just came at us <laughs> so quick, and now it's gone. Um, and I'm st- the, probably the, the last thing. I don't know if it's more depressing than that, but. I, I don't see I don't see a championship with the Celtics with Brown and Tatum on the same team. I don't. I think either they're both gone or one of them's here and the other's gone for for better assets. And that that's a little heartbreaking because that was a really romantic idea to see the two three picks, the two number three picks from back to back years getting us there, probably with Marcus Smart and Toe. And it was possible, but I just I, that's I really don't think that's possible anymore. So that would be my three. Yeah, all very depressing points, but that's what we're here, you know, in therapy to address. We're hopefully applying some, uh, what do they call it? Cognitive behavioral therapy to not only ourselves, but uh, the, the fan base there to try and overcome this. But, um, oof. all right, well, I'll see if I can add to that. Um, and it, it's tough as far as the Jays, you know, not being able to win together because I feel like every week of every season for the past three seasons. We've seen some tweet about, oh, the the full starting lineup, the starting five of the Celtics have only played X amount of minutes together. And in those minutes, they've been a plus whatever. Um, but the problem is like that's completely null and void because we never see them play more than X amount of minutes together. They seem to always be fractured or unhealthy or for whatever reason, they're never together on the court to give us that true sample size, as in the Jays and three other very competent players together. And it mm. seems like no matter what we do, we just can't make that happen around them. And that itself is very depressing and not one of my three depressing points, which I'll get to now. The first one being that the Jays have given plenty enough demonstration of who they are and how they like to play. And in that, I'm very much regurgitating something that John Corrales said on his recent Locked On podcast, which is a very good point in that they have demonstrated the way that they like to play, score first, isolate, not move the ball, um, certainly later in the game when they should stick behind that ball movement that has sort of kept them in the game to that point, they, they tend to isolate um, and, and not move the ball. And they've had a lot of opportunity to overcome that and play, quote-unquote, the, the right way. And they, they don't seem to be doing that. And there's only so much sort of coaching and influence outside of their heads that can kind of get them away from that. And mm. you, there's a lot of sort of sample size to suggest that they are unable to deviate from that. So that... Is a depressing thought. Um, the other one being Neesmith and Pritchard have shown flashes, but not enough to feel genuinely hopeful for their long-term future contributions, which I won't expand on, Jackson, because you, you touched on that as well. And the third one being, I'm not sure that we have the pieces to bring in a third star relative to what other teams around the league mm. can offer. If we do make it happen, I'm not sure we're left with enough to complement those three stars. Um, you know, I'm keen to hear what everyone thinks. Um, you know, so comment in the the reddit post or the youtube post for this uh because um there's a lot of potential there i suppose as far as like how to maneuver roster changes around the the jays to to make something happen there um but look these are the absolute bloody doldrums of sports fandom um but also worth remembering joe as you've said many times that this is where we earn our stripes as fans right um maybe diminishing returns i don't know but uh you know that's that's where we have to um to leave it but guys joe i'll start with you you're looking very relaxed there um so it seems appropriate to ask you this question what's your go-to decompression method uh in times like this like how do you recover from these shitty games and just these kind of like shitty no hope points of the season have a sleep man (laughs) just go to bed (laughs) (laughs) it's summertime on a holiday I just, oh man, I, I was, I missed, I missed most of the first half because I was asleep. 
Maybe this wasn't such a good mood after the game, you know. <laughs> I don't know how you can Big sleep after these games. I, I, I don't know. I just can't, I can't do it. Uh, Jackson, what about the, you? I, mean, I, I flashed my VR headset before, so nothing quite quite beats going to a world where, you know, it's just, it just doesn't exist <laughs> and you can immerse yourself in that for a bit. What I find was and can be very helpful at times is if you have like multiple teams or multiple sports that you're into, you can just cherry pick the one that you're good at. So Ben, for example, I'm sure you are reveling in the ashes win at the moment. You know, there's something that we can all, you know, be be proud about. Right, Joe? Um, but um, my, my- World champion. Yeah. World champion. <laughs> I've test- World Test Champions over here. What's the Ashes? <laughs> We're coming for you, mate. We are coming for you. World domination after this uh, series win. Sorry, sorry, Jackson. Yes. I took over no, there. That, that's okay, yeah. But uh, all the other teams that I support are uh, a dog shit as well. Manchester United, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to get more depressed. Um, the Jets, my local A-League team, have been terrible for years. Kind of looks like they're going okay this year. Their last game was atrociously bad as well, too. Um uh, yeah, so I got another, I don't have that to do- jump to, but um, yeah, I think just getting off the internet. To be perfectly honest, like it's it's like the most common sense, but also the thing that probably we disregard and just are still on there the most. But once you just do like just disconnect yourself from it, really, it's just your phone or it's just a desktop. Once you go and take a walk or you know speak to someone, it's really not that bad, is it? You know, <laughs> I love speaking to you guys and I have a lot of fun doing this. But my mood's gone from up here to just a dip down here for the last twenty five minutes discussing yeah. with these guys. But you know, <laughs> I, I still that. love it. I still love it. These are, these are my stripes right here. So I'll continue to do it. But yeah, just getting away from it. It's not that hard and it helps. I'm going to make one other suggestion, and this goes flies in the face of really what, you know, what I probably would like to think I stand for as a fan, but I just suggest adopting a mistress team for the year. Just a mistress. Just have a fling with another team for the Grizzlies. year. Grizzlies. You know, yeah. you want to have a, yeah. a a torrid season with the Cavs? Go ahead, you know. <laughs> I've always liked the Spurs. <laughs> To be fair, Patty Mills. Yeah. I can't anymore though. <laughs> I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the heck out of the Warriors right now. You know, the Celtics are my team. The Celtics are who I watch every every day. But man, I just I just love basketball and I love watching Steph Curry. So I'm enjoying that. Mm. Yeah, and with uh, Durant gone now and that sort of poison extracted from the well, so to speak, like the Warriors are pure basketball fun. Like there's nothing that you can sort of criticize them for that the way that they've been formed, the way they've recovered from, you know, the whole Durant situation, the fact that Clay Thompson's not even back. Like they are a lot of fun. So I, I agree with you there, Joe. Like there's there's good basketball to be seen out there, just not in, in uh, green and white currently, unfortunately. Um uh, yeah, I, was, I had Ashes, the Ashes, um, shout out Danger Cart, known Ashes enjoyer um, as my sort of way to disconnect from the Celtics and, and kind of touching on what you said there, Jackson, just like just taking a step back and being like, that's just data. Like the Celtics are really here in Australia and separated from Boston itself. It's just like pixels and data and ones and zeros like coming down the pipeline and take a walk like for me it's like i'll take my daughter to the park or something and it's just like pure like watching the pure joy on her face like she has no idea the celtics are this bad like that kind of <laughs> helps me disconnect from that situation a little bit um but again listeners let us know your uh, your thoughts in the comments for for me personally like i'm looking for more sort of coping mechanisms really so please let me know what your uh, what your secret is there um we should move on what are the three most promising aspects of the team at this juncture, the, the sort of things that help you sleep at night, the things that keep you holding on. Uh, we went with Joe first last time. Jackson, we'll, we'll start with you now. What have you got? I don't know if I have three, but my biggest one is it still feels very premature and reactionary to make these kind of conclusions in the COVID <laughs> era that we are in. Yeah. Like, ha- have a look at the rest of the standings. It, it feels like everyone bar like seven teams are shit. You know what I mean? The Clippers are a 500 team until the, today. Um, the Hawks, East Conference Finals last year, well below 500. Everyone was high on the Knicks, below 500. Like, I, I feel like we are still in th- this COVID era where players will just disappear for, for, for you know, games at a time or weeks at a time and, and everything like that. It feels like there's everyone is in the same the same boat. And yeah, we're more familiar and probably have a deeper understanding of the, the finer issues that we have, you know, with our organization. And you would be foolish to say that they... They don't factor in and that they're probably not more serious than other teams. But it, 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 
again, it, it's you look at everybody else, and everyone is more or less in the same boat if they don't have like a better, you know, a more optimistic outlook for their for their future. Um, second of all, it wouldn't be unrealistic for us to go on like a five game win streak, and then all of a sudden. Now we're back. Everything's fine. We figured it out. It's all sweet. Like literally five games, just five games back to back. I know that seems like a million miles away now, considering we're we're the three and seven, I think, in our last ten, and we've got the Suns coming up. It doesn't like look likely, but I listen just five games, five games in a row, and I guarantee you, we will be on here being like, well, were, were we a bit too quick to judge? Uh, Tatum does. It, it, Tatum and Brown are like championship core again too. So again, it, it, the NBA is very, is a very very fast moving world so I think it could probably turn around just as, as quickly as it goes to shit um, that's probably all I've got to be honest can I just make a comment on that though like t- totally like if we start winning five if we go on a five game winning streak all of a sudden I'll be enjoying this season yeah. don't be fooled it doesn't mean we're any closer to championship Certainly contention not, no. by all means enjoy it like just enjoy it for what it is but like if I don't want like there's the fan me which is just going to enjoy the wins as they come and then there's the pretend GM me, which is just like, <laughs> this team's going to be broken up sooner or later. Mm-hmm. So what's it going to be? How's it going to look like? You know, then my wheels start turning there. Well, hang on. Mm. So just sticking with optimism, because breaking up the team oh, yeah, sorry, very sorry, depressing. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, we asked the three, Jackson, yeah, course, you had optimism. one, which is very telling. Joe, can you give us one or, or two optimistic points? Oh, I think um, it's actually. I actually think, I actually think Ainge has hit on at least, at least two of his last four draft picks. I think, I think Williams and Pritchard are real NBA players. Williams has been a real positive development. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of both of them. I mean, I love Grant Williams, so I'm always going to have a, have have you know something. Uh, I'm always going to be in his corner. Um, so that's probably the most positive development. And Pritchard's good too. Pritchard's Pritchard's really good. Um, and I think you've seen enough from Neesmith and Langford to say that, well, probably more from Neesmith. I can see a role for him that I'm not sure Langford's quite going to have. I've got some issues with Langford's game, but Neesmith's shown when he gets the opportunity, he can play a little bit, you know? He, mm-hmm. I think he'll stick in the NBA and I think he'll have, I think he'll have a, a 10-year career. So that's pretty good. So hopefully it's with us. Mm. Yeah, I hope you're right. I'm, I'm going to rush through my uh, promising factors very quickly here because there are some comments from uh, a Reddit thread that I put up not long before recording here. Um, so very quickly, Tatum and Brown, very young still, and all of these points are very contradictory to, to my uh, depressing points. So um, take it with a grain of salt. The, the Jays, very, very young, and we have perhaps unreasonably high expectations of them because of their early career success, but generally... We shouldn't expect two 25 or sub 25-year-old players to carry an otherwise inexperienced team to a title, let alone a deep playoff run. Um, give them time, I guess, is the takeaway from that. Um, of all the recent sketchy Ainge draft picks, Grant Williams, as you said, Joe, seems to be emerging as a legit NBA player. Um, and this really contradicts <laughs> one of the points I made previously. We do have some legitimate value beyond the Jays. Um predominantly or exclusively in Robert Williams and Marcus Smart, whether as trade pieces or as building blocks for the future, we do have some wiggle room to move some pieces to bring in some more complementary pieces for the Jays. So, you know, it's it's dire right now, but there is, there is some room to move there for Brad Stevens. Um, but let me quickly get to some, some Reddit comments very quickly here. Hey, we don't have any negative value contracts as far as I can tell. Absolutely. Right? Mm. No. It's pretty good. Yep. I completely agree. Uh, Hector Camacho writes, promising aspects would be Robert Williams playing and handling heavy minutes, which is uh, very much worth bringing up. Grant Williams providing or proving to be a great role player and Al Horford being Al Horford, despite his age. I'm disappointed in the Jays in general. Marcus Smart still being inconsistent and the lack of improvement from our late lottery picks would be the depressing factors there. And F. Shoemaker with a really sort of long, insightful comment, which I'll, I'll rush through very quickly. Setting aside Grant's emergence, since you covered that, but let the record show that last year I said Grant projects to be P.J. Tucker with better shooting, and you all mocked me. Sorry about that, F. Shoemaker. Promising points. When Tatum slash Brown actually played together, the results have been good. Two, 
Josh Richardson has been better than expected and shows great talent evaluation from Brad and Ime. Both of them said that before the season that he was a better shooter than his numbers showed the last few seasons. And sure enough, he's shooting 40% from three. Very good point. Number three, Smart is still one of the best defenders in the league at any position. There was a little worry. Maybe he had lost a step after um, the injury last year, but all is all tracking metrics and the eye test put him up in elite uh, status this year. Well, what do you think there, Joe, just very quickly on Marcus Smart? We'll, just, we'll stop there very quickly because I know, Joe, you're kind of like the, the lead supporter along with Celtics J on Marcus Smart. Not only has he not been present recently, but he hasn't been great really in this recent stretch. Um, are you still on the supporter bandwagon there? Or are you ready to maybe see him included in a trade? I'll always be on the on the Marcus Smart. Oh, I just love him. You know, I don't have to rationalize it. I just love him. He's my, you know, he's he's my favorite player on the team, and um, that's all right. We're allowed to have our binkies, but um, <laughs> I mean, he also makes he also makes. He also makes $20 million a year. I mean, he is overpaid. <laughs> he is. Um, and, um, you know, if, if at some point in time he has to get traded, so be it. But, like, I just don't want it to be, like, like I just want if there's a trade for Marcus Smart, it's got to be for something, you know. Um, I don't want to see a let's get rid of Mar- I don't want to see Marcus Smart gotten rid of just to blow things up. For the sake of it's it. It's got to be yeah. for some value, yeah. Just quickly on F. Shoemaker's depressing points, if the idea of trading Marcus Smart isn't depressing enough for you. Number one, defensive consistency. Brad slash Eme preached being a defense first, quote-unquote, gritty team um, that is hard to play against. And when we've done that, we're pretty good. That stretch in November where we were winning games, 90 to 89 was fantastic, but we're running into the same effort consistency issues that we had in the last few seasons. Pardon me, 13 and 5 record when holding opponents to under 110 points. 3 and 13 when we give up 110. Number two, Romeo Langford still can't consistently put it together. And number three, he may shorten the bench for a lot of the season and is re- relying heavily on vets instead of young guys, which is a huge point of contention for the fan base. And other people did add comments to this thread. Thank you very much. We may include them in a future podcast, but uh, I don't know if you're watching the video version here, but I'm sweating up in my very hot Sydney summer attic. And so we're going to move on to, to try and finish this one up in time. Guys, the big question, really, I think if you had one question in in the room with like the Celtics front office is where to from here? Like, Do we tank, make a big splash in the trade market? Joe, what's next? What's the ideal move? Um, man, I'm going to keep circling back to, like I think I, one of my my trade machine idea trades that I'd like to see us consider again is, um, is Brown plus Hernan Gomez plus Langford for... Um, Simmons plus Steph Curry, uh, Seth Curry plus Matisse Tybal. Um, I think that there's something in that there. Um, it's um, yeah, there's there's you know I think there's enough cost in it for both teams. You know, I don't think anyone feels like they're getting away with a steal there. Um, but um, I think like even though I like Jalen more than I like Tatum, um, I just Tatum's better. Tatum just contributes to winning more. He just does. And um, and if the team's going to be broken up, we have to look. Where's the available talent? That's the only available talent I see. So that's that's one thing I'd look at. Um, I'd also look at, like, what can we do? Like, if we're going to tank, um, what can we do with Horford's salary? Is there any dead salary around the league that we could take on for some draft picks? That's what I'd look at. Mm-hmm. Sure. What about you, Jackson? Yeah, I think um, I think it's way too early to tank. I think the way we're going, we probably wouldn't even need to go into tank mode. We could just continue as is, and you know, end up about, <laughs> yeah, the, the late twenties wins, um, which would give us you know probably top ten picks. So definitely don't tank. Um, I think yeah, you certainly you evaluate the trade market. You see what is available. There is going to be someone available, and obviously Simmons is available, and that would. I would really ask you kindly to go back and scrub all the times I talked a lot of shit about Ben Simmons if he ended up on this team. Um, I can see the value in it. I'm obviously coming around to the idea of it, but um, yeah, it's, it still wouldn't feel right to me. It would feel like a bit of a Kawhi Leonard in Toronto situation too. I feel like as soon as that contract's up, it's off to off to California. For, yeah, but you know, mate, this, 
like four years there left is four the years there is four years left but then he yeah, then he could he could pull the mental health card and decide not to play or, or, yeah. or pass up wide open shots when you need them in games that matter because he's a dickhead but anyway he's still very talented and he's still very tall and he's still <laughs> a very good defender so yeah I would I would absolutely consider it there but um yeah I think the trade market is you know I don't think we see any really anything you know resembling a tank until the trade deadline goes so I think that would be the first point of that's what they would need to look at I have just timestamped you calling him a dickhead in case we do trade for him. Uh, we can go back sort yeah. of retroactively and, and scrub that from, so, from the so show. I've said, like, I've said much, much worse over the last three years. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. They've all been timestamped. No, I wish. Um, there's a comment here from Secular Human 77 who says, at this point, I'm resigned to the Hail Mary of pairing Tatum with Beal via a Brown trade and see if together they become a championship duo. Um, can't say I personally agree with that i think that's sort of like a premature move there i personally think it's frustrating as it is right now to me the priority aside from like win a championship ever which is the every team's priority um is you need to peak just as the jays are coming up for contract renewal which doesn't say a lot for like having fun for the rest of the season but historically players don't care if you tried really, really hard to put a good team around them while they're under contract. Typically, they'll just go and sign wherever the best situation is. So, like, make sure Boston is the best-ish situation in the 2024 offseason when Jalen Brown is an unrestricted free agent. And doing so should maybe ensure that in the following year when Tatum is an unrestricted free agent, Boston should still then also be the best situation uh, for him, maybe. Like one thing, that, that, like really tanking is we have to, do, we should be doing it right now because we can't, like we have no negative value salary, right? So yay, good for us. But we don't have any real like desirable assets, you know? We have the bits of salary that you're more than happy to take on if there, is, you know what I mean? If there is a prize asset and you need to, you know, to, to get that third star, you need to have some. You need to have some lollies in there. You know, you need to have a high draft pick or a really. You need good young talent and salary around it that doesn't sink you. Okay, so we definitely have the salary around it that doesn't sink you. We even have all of our own draft picks that we can throw in. But what we don't have is we just don't have that lolly. You know, we don't have the real treat in there. You know, and if we tank, even if we get like if we tank and we're a top five pick. It's a lolly, you know. That's mm. that's the basis that someone could look. That there's a way to get a third star. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? It'll be available at the deadline. But either way, I just feel like we need to shut Tatum and Brown down now so that yeah. their trade value doesn't decrease. Do you think Stevens goes <laughs> to them and like calls them into his room? He's like, "All right, guys, sit down. Here's here's what we're doing. You guys are going to go like you know skiing for the next like six months, and you're going <laughs> to turn your phones off." <laughs> You're just not going to play. You're just not going to play. And you're going to come back. We're going to be in a much, much better position. You just got to trust me on this. You think it goes something like that? Or do you think they're just like, Emma's just not going to play you. You're just going to just, just just cop it, I'm afraid. <laughs> Jalen, your hamstring looks a little bit balky. We just need to rest you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad hamstring strain. Yeah. <laughs> Calf tightness for the rest of the year. Something super vague yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that really um, falls in line with the whole we just need to be really good when it comes time to re signing these guys. Um, and they're, uh, you know, Ben Simmons excluded from this, but they're, they're younger than the typical, like, sort of hardened Durant. Uh, Anthony Davis, I'm going to like sit on my hands and wait till you trade me sort of part of their career. Like, I don't think they're quite there yet. And they certainly haven't demonstrated that through their play that they're good enough to to put on that song and dance. So, I, I do think we do have some leeway there to like be bad without scaring them off, um, especially if like ultimately it leads to us being good. Um, and Jayqua on, uh, on Celtics Reddit wrote, the Celtics are only three games ahead of the Pelicans and 3.5 games ahead of the Thunder. If they can keep up the current trend, there's a chance at a top four pick in the NBA draft. And then in response to that, Brad Stevens for Prez wrote, once guys get healthy, they won't be quite bad enough for this to be a legitimate consideration. But man, one year near the top of the lottery would do wonders for this team's outlook. Doesn't even have to draft a player. That asset changes everything. Like you said, Joe, it's just, it's the lolly that we need. So... I don't know, quick round the room. Like, is that, uh, we've, we've kind of already answered this, but is that is that where we're really at? It just seems like such an odd 
I mean, I think I'm there too, but it's just, it kind of hurts to accept that given, you know, the season is still so young and we've done countless podcasts and with Wayne Spoonie and Celtics J as well about, we've made videos on our YouTube channel about how much promise there is and like, here we are. Is that is that definitely the way forward? It would be weird, but I think it would also let go a lot of the, the angst that we're holding on to, Joe's, you know, expectations versus reality. Once we become a tanking team, then, you know, it's all gravy as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, you know, look look what it did for the Warriors, you know. Didn't tank necessarily, but, you know, two guys out for the year, terrible record, they've come back. Not saying that we'll do what the Warriors or we were ever as good as the Warriors or can get there, but I think you understand what I'm saying, you know. Maybe, like, half the year off might, you know, probably would do us wonders. And I think I'd be for it, you know, if that was that was the vision, which, would you know, you would assume it would it's be. Just, what, what What's the alternative, eh? You yeah. know, the alternative is scratching and clawing your way to a play-in seat, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pointless. It's it's just value destructive, eh? For 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 the guys on our side, like you know, the the fan in me hates it, eh? But the fan, I also know that like some of the best time to be a fan is it's when your team's improving. It's not about where you are; it's about the delta. It's about the rate mm-hmm. of change, and are you getting better? That's when the, that's the best time to be a fan. And you get to experience that when you're watching young guys sort of improve. Sure. You know, that's that's a really good time. And then you add the next piece and oh my gosh, we've got things coming back. Ah, oh, yeah, we're all excited for next season. But I just it just doesn't like clearly this team is constituted just doesn't work. There's no obvious path to contention via trade. We don't have the assets. I mean I don't I think we're pretty much there. And and like the amount of bad losses we've had this year. Mm. Like we must be up to like we must be up to almost double digits and really bad losses, eh? Mm-hmm, Should mm-hmm. go back through them and, and count them all up. But so many shockers, man. Um, this the is therapy we're session. really close to this one on the skids of its own accord. Yeah. We don't want that. No, and you know, you talk about uh, watching the young guys improve, like Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, the young guys, like you know, they 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 are young. Like we want to watch them improve, and we're talking about sitting them and watching the not even much younger guys improving. You know, for what? So that those young guys can come back and still suck. I I don't know. This is why we're doing this session, I suppose. There are many unanswerable questions. Um, another question I'll throw at you guys. I'll start with you, Jack. So this is by Dangerous Toe Five Four Eight Two. Is there even a realistic free agent that helps this team? I've, I've I've thought about it many times since Joe mentioned it, and I, I can't not dismiss the John Wall thing. I don't know how you, I don't know, I don't know how you do it salary wise, but like you know, look look what Kemba, Kemba Walker was benched. It's like you're not needed, whatever. Brings him back thirty points, triple double. He's crap again now, but you know we have that that bounce back. Maybe John Wall's you know maybe he maybe he's not so such a cripple. As, he, as he's made out to be, and maybe he's rare, raring to go. If there's a way for that to happen, then, you know, that that could be one out there. I mean, the Simmons thing we've already touched on there, but, um, I mean, no, I, I, just, I don't know. I don't know what we can do with our salary to make it worthwhile to not, you know, to, to, that will elevate us above, the you know, the middling, the middle pack that we are too. So, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind just taking a big swing and just seeing where it goes, but I don't think, I think that could be more detrimental to us in the long run. Um, if you do get, give away assets that could be better utilized by trading a high pick if you do tank and stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I don't think so. But there are some fun ones to certainly to think over. I mean, I've been thinking a lot about Westbrook lately because the Lakers need to do something to get off him. I'm like, yeah, they, these are other little opportunities to build at the margins, right? Um, who else is, is needing to move people? Right, Wall seem they seem pretty okay with just eating his contract. Like I don't, I don't know that they give up a lot of value for him because they're not. There's no contention thing, but the Lakers have LeBron James. They need to do something, right? So, um, so does Horford fit better than Westbrook? Probably. <laughs> um, his shooting's been a little bit of a worry lately. Shivers was atrocious tonight, mm-hmm. but. Um, in general, I think um, you know that, that could that, that could be that could be an architecture of something there. If you could get a, a, a really once again, you get a lolly, and all of a sudden, say it's an unprotected Lakers pick in twenty twenty seven or something like that, but that could look really really good, you know, in four years time. 
Um, you know, we've seen that happen before. Eh? So that'd be anyway. That'd be really funny if we if, if we made them take Schroeder back as well too. <laughs> there you go. Here's your point guard replacement. No worries. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah, I mean they they certainly uh, decimated their you know war chest if you want to call it that with the AD trade. So it would have to be a lolly really far down the line as far as what we could get back from that. But um, yeah, I mean that's probably the sort of thing that we should be exploring. Um, as a, a front office, certainly, and then uh, as a fan base, in terms of what reality we might need to accept in the in the not too distant future. Um, Can you imagine cheering for Russell Westbrook? No, I cannot. <laughs> no, not any time in the last five years. Absolutely I really, not. I used to really like Westbrook. I, I mean, I thought, I thought I thought he got a bad rap, but yeah, it's become apparently obvious now that he's a he's a, he's a very single minded individual, and I think that. Rather empty. Oh, he's stats. an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> he's <impossible laughs> I don't think yeah. I could do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we've we've come to the end of our our therapy run sheet. I think at multiple times now, with the questions asked and certainly the answers given, the therapist has maybe gone out to the waiting room to consult with a colleague a few times. Just like I don't know where to go with this guy. Uh, it's really <laughs> really down in the in the in the trenches there. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to posit? Anything eating away at you that we haven't covered before we uh, before we wrap this one up? Idea for next podcast: instead of therapy session, the Celtics raw search test. We do like ink blots of various players. <laughs> what do you see? <laughs> Just doom every time. That's a great idea. Yeah. We should we should try that. Especially now we're on YouTube. Uh, Absolutely, Jackson. Anything you want to um, add there? I really don't want to say this because this is when you lose absolutely nothing else. You've hit rock bottom, but I will just say it. It's just a game. It's yeah, just a game. That's just a that game. helps. <laughs> yeah, it is. That it really is. helps. It really, really is. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. The, the implicate. Yeah, but the implications of that are terrible. <laughs> so so much. I didn't want to say it, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's just loser talk, Jackson. <laughs> uh. All right, that is going to do it for this one, guys. This was super helpful for me just to whine and moan and get things off my chest. I hope it had the same effect for everyone listening. Uh, Let us know your thoughts in the comments. Chin up, everyone. We'll come good. Jackson, Joe, a happy new year to you both. Love your work, guys. Thanks again. Likewise, you, mate. All right, until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.